Hey everyone, what's going on? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. And right now I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful Tuesday so far. Some things that I want to talk about on the podcast today. I'm going to be getting into some previews regarding some upcoming great television shows that we're going to be getting into in the next couple of weeks. Peacemaker premieres on Thursday, so I'll be previewing that. We get the latest edition of The Book of Boba Fett tomorrow, so I'll be kind of previewing and getting into what maybe we can expect, what we should maybe see coming in the next couple of weeks as to the story that that Star Wars show is bringing us. I'm also going to be getting into, as I usually do, because I don't know if I'm going to have an episode tomorrow. That's why I wanted to do this stuff today. I'm going to also be doing my annual weekend preview, kind of previewing what's coming out in release in theaters or also on streaming this weekend. We got a couple things that will appeal to multiple people that is set to be released this weekend. But the first thing that I want to talk about today is getting into some movie news that came out over the last couple of hours, really. And the first thing is I want to talk about some Academy Award updates that are set to be happening. And with the with the Omicron variant happening right now, there's a lot of stuff that's being delayed, of course. There's been some movie release dates that have been delayed. There's been the Grammy Awards themselves have been postponed indefinitely. And one of the major things, especially if you're a film pundit or a film fan, is wondering with all these delays happening, what's going to be happening with the Oscars this year? Is it going to be something like last year where they changed it up? They changed venues and locations to kind of accommodate the social distancing and different guidelines because of COVID-19? Or, or are they going to be going back to a more traditional sense? And it seems like as of right now, A, the Academy Awards are still happening in March of this year. And also, they are set to be going back to the Dolby Theater. At, they were at the Union train station last year. They're going back to, again, a traditional sense, going back to the theater that it's been at for so many years. They have Glenn Weiss coming back as the director for a seventh consecutive time. He was there last year for the debacle that was with the best actor mishap that was going on. And, of course, some of the other mishaps that have happened in recent years as well. But to have him back brings back some uh, normalcy as well. And the other interesting aspect that was reported by Variety about an hour or so ago at the time of this recording of the podcast was that they are the, the Academy and the ABC, Dick Clark Productions, they are set to have a full-on host come back to the Academy Awards this year. And it's, it's a major step for them because over the past two years, they have decided to go hostless. And the first year they did it because the reason they A, did it is because of, of Kevin Harden. They tapped him as a host, but then there were some things that came up from his past when it came to some things he said on social media that had the Academy drop him and it was way too late to get another person to host. So they decided to go hostless. And they found that to be a success for that year because people want to know what it was going to be like because it was a, a long time since that had happened and they decided to go that route again with the following year and didn't really go as well because it, it, it very much needs a guiding ship and, and that's really what a host provides and it was cool the first year not so cool the second year and the ratings still dropped so I think the Academy and ABC and then and the, the production companies that put on the actual show decided that it was smart to just bring back a host we don't know who the host is yet there's going to be a lot of speculation of who they could possibly get, but it's going to be very interesting to see who they decide to convince to come and do the hosting job for the Oscars this year because... 
it's it's very tough to get somebody to do it. it it takes a lot of time and commitment and because of the day and age we live in with social media you see all the backlash that you get when you're announced as the host and then everything you do during the show and as the host it's not the glitz and glamour that i think it once was where now you get criticized for running the show too long and having enough gags and and, and doing all these little bits that can be fun at first but as you continue to do it throughout the show it adds to an already prolonged telecast because of all the awards that are being handed out so it's a very thankless job it seems like every single year that they've done it so i think it's a lot harder to try to ask somebody to take time out of a month or two to really hammer down a a rundown and hammer down a set to do as a host but we'll see if they're able to convince somebody especially in the day and age of the pandemic that we're still in right now if, if somebody is going to actually be willing to take over that spot if you were to ask me who i think abc will probably go to wouldn't surprise me if they try to get jimmy kimmel to host again i don't know if he would maybe take it necessarily because he's done it in the past and maybe he just doesn't want to do it right now but that would be my number one option to see if they go that route or they could go somebody else on the comedic range as well i, I really don't know who else they could get but we'll see i'm sure they'll support a lot of people with who they decide to choose to take on that role but I think it is the smart decision to have somebody be the the anchor head and have a host again because again it was cool the first time around to see what the show was like and I think for that show the academy and and the the producers did a really good job of scrapping something up at the last minute and putting on a, an enjoyable show and then again because I think of all the changes that happened last year I just don't think it, it, you needed a host to kind of of, of spear again spearhead everything and direct everything into into an endpoint and so I think they needed that and I think it's smart for them to bring it back as well but again I think overall it's great that A we're getting the Oscars again and B that we're getting them back at the Dolby Theater I'm sure we're going to get a lot of, of of presenters There's there'll be the nominees will be there and, and we'll get all the speeches it'll be like it's been in the past and, and again you appreciate what they did last year trying to mix it up you had Steven Soderbergh come in to produce it and it added a film quality to it they, they and they shot it on film. It was in a different kind of aspect ratio. It, it, they try to change it up. And, and I think some things worked, some things didn't. And I hope they kind of go back to more of a traditionalist sense with this year's Oscars telecast overall. So what do you guys think about this news regarding A, that the Oscars are going back to Dolby Theater and B, that we are going to be having hosts for the first time since I believe it was either two, probably 2018 because 2000, well, actually 2019 because 2020 didn't actually have it and then 2021 we didn't have a host as well. So what do you guys think? Let me know. Leave your thoughts down below. I'd love to know what you think about that news. And then moving into the final bit of movie news that I want to talk about today or really rather it's it's television news actually because it deals with the movie franchise but it is on the the streaming front and that has to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and there were reports going around that the MCU and Disney Plus are set to do a Halloween special on the streaming service and this kind of follows in line with what we're going to be getting this year with the first ever holiday special with the Guardians of the Galaxy that James Gunn is writing alongside doing the production of the third feature 
film installment. And we've been getting some fun little specials throughout Disney Plus as well. There's been some of their from their animated. We got some holiday specials and Halloween specials from Star Wars on the Lego side of things as well. But we haven't gotten anything from the MCU. And the thing that's interesting about this and what we're going to be getting with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special is that it seems like it's not just going to, well, it might be a one-off, but it's going to be interconnected into the actual MCU. So even though these are going to be specials and sometimes specials are just these one-er kind of things that don't have anything to do with anything else going on, like Star Wars has done, this seems like it's going to be integrated into the, the MCU overall. And with this Halloween special, it seems like that is exactly what they're going for as well. And it seems like it's going to be taking from the the Werewolf by Night, Live by Night special comic book run that Marvel has done. And they did just cast somebody to be a co-star alongside this show, or this special rather, and it's going to be Laura Donnelly from The Nevers. And if you watch that, it's, it's an HBO original series that is kind of in uh, the midst of a hiatus right now. They're shooting the second part of the first season. They, they premiered last year, the first six episodes because of the COVID break. That's why they have a little stint in between the, the certain episodes that they do. But in, in what we saw, Laura Donnelly was, was really, really good. And I'm, I'm excited to see her do something like this. Reports are showing from Deadline that production is set to begin in the next few months so this sounds like something that could very much either be coming out this year for the Halloween time period or maybe it'll be set for 2023 but it sounds like they're moving very fast on this and we'll probably hear more casting announcements in the near future but what's interesting about this it isn't so much about the special but again how inner it's more about the interconnectedness of it and what it put could potentially lead to and it sounds like with this marvel is has been going into other genres other territories and it seems like with this they're trying to get into the supernatural range and when you're trying to incorporate werewolves and the the role that lord donnelly is reportedly being considered for is one that is called nina price who is also named vampire by night so you're dealing with werewolves and vampires when you start getting into this this realm one has to wonder are we going to be is this really going to be tying into the the blade side of the mcu is this how blade will be partially introduced into this world as he was if you haven't seen eternals yet spoiler alert you hear his voice mahershal ali's voice who said it to play blade in the mcu you hear him at the end of eternals and so they're starting to kind of set up how he's going to be a part of this and and he's a vampire hunter we've never gone into the supernatural before we've gone into into aliens and robots and all these other aspects but supernatural has not been done yet and i think it's going to be very interesting to see how kevin feige and the producers and creators kind of pull off this corner that we have not been introducing to yet in this franchise so i'm very curious to see how this all again interconnects if there's anybody that can do it it is marvel studios but i'm very intrigued by how the supernatural will begin to have a role with within this world and, and how it again can cross over into other mediums of the MCU as well. But what do you guys think about this casting announcement, the fact that we're getting this Halloween special, the MCU going to the supernatural? Let me know what you think down below and leave your thoughts. And that has to do with movie news and, and news overall that's going on in Hollywood. Now, for the rest of the podcast, I'm going to be kind of going into some things that I, I want people to kind of look forward 
to and be interested in and preview some things that are coming down the line in the next couple of days. And I want to start off by talking about previewing ahead episode three of the book of Boba Fett. And I got to say the last two weeks watching this show, I've loved everything that we've gotten so far. I think one of the best installments of Star Wars television overall that we've gotten was in episode two last week. So I'm very excited to see what we get with this third installment. And I have no insider information. I don't know what's going to be happening in this episode. But again, the great thing about doing something like this is the speculation, what we can look forward to, what to maybe expect, to to hypothesize, to theorize of what we could actually see. And the way, by the way, also, this is going to be a spoiler kind of discussion. If you haven't seen episode two or episode one of Bubble Fett yet, come back in a little bit and then we'll we'll have previews for a few other shows as well and of course the weekend preview but for this right now there's going to be spoilers on the first two episodes of the book of Boba Fett so you've been warned we're going to get into it now but with episode two I think what's interesting is that we continue to show the present day event of what Boba's trying to do on Tatooine taking over Jabba the Hutt syndicate and being introduced to relatives of Jabba that I think are going to kind of be the main antagonist moving forward. So I'm very interested to see how that storyline is going to be initiated as well. Also, what I'm really curious to see is also going to the flashbacks. That to me was the more fascinating aspect of the uh, of episode two. And I love the kind of dancing with wolves, Dune, Avatar aspect that we got with, with that aspect of the episode. Are we going to get more with the Tusken Raiders? Are, I know some people have been wondering, are we actually going to be showing showcasing more of Boba's history when he was a child during maybe the Empire Strikes Back when he was more of a ruthless bounty hunter. So I think there's a lot of avenues that they could really kind of go into. And I'm curious to see are John Favreau, Dave Filoni, Robert Rodriguez, are the right are they all in the writing staff going to just focus on the back on the back scenes and the backstory of Bubba on Tatooine went before during these five years between Return of the Jedi and Mandalorian, or are we going to be getting something different? I'm very curious behind that because I think with what episode two, I think helped me establish was I would very much love to see more of the events leading up to where we see Jabba right now. As much as I would like to see him be the, the ruthless bounty hunter, get more backstory onto who he is overall, I like that kind of mystery aspect about him, and I would love to learn more about his journey from being that bounty hunter into being something more than that and maybe there's a reason for why he decided to take over Jabba's syndicate and it was just because he wanted to maybe the the time that he spent with the Tuscans led to some tragedy or led to something that that had him say I need to be the one to take this syndicate over and so I'm very curious to see where that leads to and I'm sure it's gonna all these the 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 flashbacks I'm sure they're gonna tie in and somehow some way into the future of this show and I Again, I'm very curious to see where it all leads to. Tamora Morrison has been great. Ming-Na Wen has been amazing as well. And I know they've been teasing that we're going to get more surprises, more character introductions, more evolution of the story. So, again, we're only on to episode three. We still have about five, to four to five episodes left. This is a seven-episode season. So there's still a lot more story to be told. And we're only, when once episode three airs tomorrow, we're only at the halfway point of seeing what's going to be coming from this. So, Episode three of Book of Boba Fett. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to see where it goes. And I want to. I want to know, know what you guys theorize about it. What do you think is going to be happening? 
with, with Boba Fett moving down the line. Let me know and leave your thoughts. And then the other preview that I want to get into on the television side is, of course, talking a little bit about Peacemaker. And we're gonna over the next couple of weeks, this is gonna be great for fan 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 geeks everywhere. Where if you're a fan of Star Wars, you have a big a big show to look forward to. Then on the DC side of things, for the first time, we're gonna be getting a television show on HBO Max. And so every single week, there's gonna be something to talk about over the next month or so, which is gonna be great. And for for DC fans, it is kind of the next installment in James Gunn's story within this Suicide Squad franchise and kind of the first spin-off in the in the DCEU on this front really where they're kind of matching what the MCU is doing on Disney Plus and it is John Cena's Peacemaker and it, it has a, a really cool cast James Gunn wrote all eight episodes of the show he directed five of them including I believe the first three episodes which are premiering tomorrow so it's going to be a lot of Peacemaker conversation I've heard nothing but great things about this show and for John Cena I think this is great for him because over the last couple of years we've seen the guy kind of rise to prominence and he's not on the level of of Dwayne Johnson but he's definitely on the next level or two down where he's he's a star he's somebody that people know and he's become actually a really good performer I think I mean he's really got the comedic side of himself down to to a T and I think you see that within what he does with Peacemaker but one of the things that he also brought to that character was a level of of ruthlessness and and villainy that we haven't seen from him before and I think he was able to switch on and off with that really really well and I'm very curious to see how that all continues to evolve in this show and the one thing that we know James Gunn to do really well is take these either anti-heroes or antagonists and make you sympathize with them a little bit more. He kind of did that with Guardians. He did it with the Suicide Squad last year. And I'm very curious to see how he does it with this one particular character and fleshes him out, his world out, these other characters out at the same time. And if there's one person that can do it really well, it's James Gunn. And I said it a couple, probably I think I said it last week in the fact that with television, James Gunn said he had the chains lifted off of him to go full on rated R for the Suicide Squad. And going to HBO Max, you you have a rating system, but with, 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 with HBO, you can kind of really do whatever you want for the most part, more so than what you were even able to do with the Suicide Squad. So I think for, for James Gunn, he has the the cuffs removed and he can kind of just go just as crazy as he wants to and it seems like from the previews and the and the marketing material he's done just that and everyone seems to be having a, a, a blast and I think for for somebody as creative as James Gunn where he's really a writer first and then a director he's able I, I think what he's been able to do with Guardians and, and all of his other films and being able to just do that in a two hour 90 minute setting has been great but to be able to do it for eight hours and be able to, to craft the story, craft the world, really get into these characters, it sounds like he had an absolute blast with this. And he even said so during interviews for this show that he might not even go back. I mean, I'm sure he'll go back to movie making, but he might go to television for the foreseeable future because of the freedom as an artist that you seem to have on these shows and, and on the in these companies like HBO and Showtime and
and Netflix that you're able to just kind of go creatively crazy as much as you want to. And and we definitely get that with Peacemaker. I'm very much looking forward to this show. It's going to be a great rest of the January into February and so on and so forth. And for DC, again, this is a major step for them because A, they're competing with Marvel again on the streaming side of things, but also... I think this is also going to be interesting for them to see how they're able to, again, like Marvel, go into films and then into a television show and kind of weave in and out of that. And we're going to get that with what James Gunn is doing. We're also going to be getting that with Matt Reeves' Batman universe between two shows that have been that have been reported on. One's going to be about the GCPD. The other one is going to be about Colin Farrell's Penguin. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this all weaves in and out of each other and I'm very curious about that and it's going to be very interesting to see down the line but which which television show are you guys excited to see are you excited to see the continuation of the book of Boba Fett or are you excited to see what we're going to be getting with Peacemaker then the funny thing too is that Peacemaker is going to be going on a week longer than Book of Boba Fett because, again, like I said before, the first three episodes of Peacemaker are debuting on Thursday. The Book of Boba Fett will only be on its third episode. So for the most part, starting next week, Peacemaker and Boba Fett will be on the same episode order in the next couple of weeks, even though, and again, it'll be shorter for Boba Fett because it's seven and Peacemaker's eight, but we'll have episode four of Boat Shows next week. The week after will be episode five. So... That's pretty crazy too, but but again, I, I think that's the great thing about these streaming services, and I know that's probably what the, the companies want, executives want, is they want this talk to continue every single day during the week where you have one thing that you're watching, and then the next day you have something else to look forward to, and I think we're going to be starting to see the formulation of that this week with Book of Boba Fett tomorrow and then Peacemaker on Thursday. But which one are you guys excited to see most, or which one are, have you already seen, are you excited? Excited about? Let me know down below and leave your thoughts. And before I get to the weekend preview and wrap up this edition of the Sam Bissell podcast, there's one more bit of awards worthy discussion that I want to have on the podcast today. And it has to do with another major thing that's happening tomorrow, and that is the Screen Actors Guild nominations for this year's batch of contenders. And the Screen Actors Guild is, I've said it before and I'll say it again, is very much the biggest indicator for what we could be seeing on Oscar night this year and in years prior as well. And the reason for that is because with the the, the guilds overall between the DGA, PGA, WGA, the, the, the SAG, they're all made up of members that are also a part of the Academy membership as well. So a lot of times you see people cross over with what they think is a winner, uh, whether it's the, uh, the, the Screen Actors Guild, the, the Directors Guild, sometimes that could cross over into what people think when they're voting on the actual Oscar awards. And so some that's where usually where we'll get some nominations, but also it'll be an indicator for what the front runners to win those Oscars are. And one of those biggest indicators, because it's the biggest voting me- voting membership on the body of the Academy, is the Screen Actors Guild. And tomorrow they announce their nominations for what they think are the best performances to be nominated from 2021. So again, we don't know what the nominations are right now. I'm going to be giving 
doing my predictions for what I think will be nominated this year. And just to give a little bit of information, if you are hoping to look for the the nominations tomorrow, it won't be. They usually aren't televised anywhere, as the the, the Golden Globes usually are on, on, on NBC. The nominations are are on there. Or if you go to the Oscar nominations, they'll usually either have a live stream or they'll be on ABC. The Screen Actors Guild usually doesn't do that. They usually just kind of announce them, but over the last couple of years, they tend to do them on social media. So like last year where they had them on Instagram Live, that's going to be the same go around this year, but it'll be Rosario Dawson and Vanessa Hutchins announcing the nominations for both film and television, and it will be set to begin the live stream at 9.50 Eastern Standard Time, which if you're on the West Coast, it'll be 6.50 Pacific Standard Time. So those are some of the details if you're looking to watch the nominations tomorrow morning. And now I'm going to get into what I think could potentially be people and nominees that I think could get a nomination for the Screen Actors Guild. And I'm going to start off with going into the supporting categories first and then kind of working my way up from from there. But again, these are just my predictions. I don't have any insider information. I don't know anything. But just given all the precursors that we've had before, the momentum that I'm seeing, especially after the Golden Globes, this is where I'm seeing the field right now and what I think will be nominated and how I think that could affect the Oscar race moving forward. So starting out with best film supporting actor these are the ones that i think are the to be nominated at the at the screen actors guild tomorrow so i'm going to start going from one to five because my fifth spot they usually are the wild card contenders and so i kind of want to give that one as my surprise for what i think could be someone that maybe won't get in or you don't think might get in but actually does and it could have ramifications for the the acting categories at the oscars or it could just be something that the screen actors guild did so i'll give my reasoning for why i think these could be some of the wild cards we'll get at the screen actors guild nominations tomorrow but starting off at number one i do believe that cody smith mcphee from the power of the dog will be nominated i think uh, troy uh, excuse me troy coaster from coda will be nominated at number three i think jamie doran from belfast will be nominated same thing with sierra and hines from the same film at number four and my wild card to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor at the SAGs tomorrow is going to be Ben Affleck for The Tender Bar. There, there are so many different other people that definitely could be nominated in that specific category, but for some reason to me, I just think Ben Affleck has been making the rounds for The Tender Bar. They just came out with, the, with an Entertainment Weekly cover with him talking about the role. He's been talking about what he's done on Batman, how working with George Clooney. He's just been making those rounds that you see a lot of people do, getting on magazine covers, doing a lot of these these interviews with outlets to, to get the word out there, to get his face out there about this. And I just think he's going to get in over Jared Leto from House of Gucci. I think the momentum for him has kind of died down a little bit. I think I was, I was thinking about putting J.K. Simmons in there from being the Ricardos, but something's just telling me in my gut that I think Ben Affleck is going to get that nomination over anybody else that could be getting in that fifth spot but to me that that top four is pretty solidified and again to me the number one option is Cody Smith McPhee again he's been winning every single precursor including including the Golden Globe uh, this past Sunday and I just think he is the front runner in that category right right now and moving on to 
Best Supporting Actress, these are the nominees that I see getting into this category. And I'm going to start with my number one spot. And that goes to who I think is also the front runner in this category, even going to the Oscars, is Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. I think Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog is going to get that number two spot. Anjanoon Ellis for King Richard is in, in at my number three. Calatrina Balfi for Belfast is in my number four spot. And then my fifth spot is kind of a wild card, but I don't think a lot of people will be shocked if she does get in because she's been getting nominated in this category a lot. She's been winning this category in a lot of precursors, and that's Ruth Nega for passing. And I think she's also a major contender to get into that fifth spot at the Academy Awards this year. I think a lot of people have been buzzing about her performance in that movie. I think, again, if you're looking for a phase two a specific movie that's spearheading something that people will want to award or give praise to, I think Ruth Nega has been that person for that film, which is, again, I highly recommend Passing. It's on Netflix, a gorgeous, amazing film from Rebecca Hall. And Tessa Thompson is amazing as well. But it seems like a lot of the spotlight has been on Ruth Nega. And I think she'll get the nomination for that spot. But there's some others as well. And, and, and as history has shown, sometimes that best supporting actress spot, that, that fifth spot, somebody it gets to somebody who you wouldn't expect to go to. A couple years ago, it was Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. And if you even go back a little bit before then as well, even so much so as to last year, you have somebody that got in over Amanda Seyfried, who was went on to be a nominee in that category for Mank. So there's always somebody that you just you don't think is going to get in there that might get in there so again i i think ruth nega isn't that kind of a wild card but i do think she is somebody that will get in that might shock some people but i think for others that have been following this award season it will be less of a shock to to others as well moving on to best actor who the nominees who i think will get in this go round i think will smith is at my number one spot right now i think andrew garfield for tick tick boom is going to get in at that number two slot. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be getting in for The Power of the Dog. Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth is at my number four spot. And the person who I think is going to come in at number five, who is going to be a little bit of a wild card, is going to be Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up. The reason that I think it's going to be him over somebody like a Nicolas Cage for Pig or a Peter Dinklage or maybe a Bradley Cooper for Nightmare Alley is I think because of the role that he plays in this, I, I think it, they're going to give it to him. And, and the, the all the buzz, whether it's good or bad, the backlash or, or, or positive buzz that Don't Look Up has been getting over the last couple of weeks since being released on Netflix, I think will help boost him into getting that certain position. I think people within the Screen Actors Guild obviously love Leonardo DiCaprio and they treasure every performance that he gives because he doesn't do one every single year. He's very choosy on what the roles he does and usually when he does a role, it's to perfection. So I think to nominate him, I think they're going to want to do that. I think the role and the, the topics of environmentalism of climate change. They're very much relevant in this. And I know that especially actors themselves are very much within the climate change conversation. So I think they're going to score points for that to give the to him as well. So I wouldn't be shocked 
if Leo gets in at that spot for Don't Look Up. So again, wouldn't be surprised, but if somebody like Peter Dinklage gets in or even Joaquin Phoenix or even Nicolas Cage, I think those are very much contenders as well. But I think in the end, they'll give it to Leonardo DiCaprio. I think the, the other four, Will Smith, Andrew Garfield, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Denzel Washington are, are pretty much solidified into those positions. So we'll see if there's any changes on that spot. But I do think for the number five, the wild card for me is going to be Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up getting into that category. And then the final acting category to talk about before a film ensemble is Best Actress. And the people who I think will be nominated in this category are starting off at number one is Kristen Stewart for Spencer, who I still think is a front runner in this category for being the number one nominee and also potentially going all the way, going the distance and acting actually getting to the Dolby Theater. Coming in at number two, which I think is right behind her, is Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter. Coming off of her Golden Globe win at for Best Actress in a Drama on Sunday night is Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos at number three. Coming in at number four, I think she's losing a little bit of momentum, but I still think she'll get in, is Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. And then my wild card, who I think should get in, and, and I hope she is somebody that will see this name come up on Oscar nomination more morning is Rachel Zegler for West Side Story. I think I think West Side Story could be the one that surprises a lot of people tomorrow morning where it's not just going to be Ariana DeBoe, but somebody like a Rachel Zegler who's going to be fighting for that number five spot along with so many other worthy actresses such as Alana Hyam for Licorice Pizza or when you look down the list as well, such as Amelia Jones for Coda or Jennifer Hudson for Respect or Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers or even Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think Rachel Zegler is going to come out on top. I still think people within the film community Community, and that includes the actors themselves, I think they're still buzzing about West Side Story. I think there's still a lot of, of momentum regarding that movie. I think the fact that she's a newcomer, history is not as kind with newcomers when they're up in this category and getting a nomination, but I think there's something about what Rachel Zegler does in this film that captivated a lot of people, and I think it's going to be enough to propel her towards getting that fifth spot. So I'm, I'm hoping she gets it. I think, again, I'm rooting for Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield is my personal favorite and the one that I'm really, really rooting for. But the kind of underdog that I'm rooting for, I think, really throughout this award season, is Rachel Zegler to get a lot of recognition for her work as Maria in West Side Story. Again, the fact that she won this role out of so many different actresses that actresses that auditioned for Maria. Steven Spielberg chose her. Steven Spielberg knows what he's doing. And the fact that she knocked it out of the park, not just with her singing, but with her acting, the way that she portrayed Maria is just nothing short of remarkable. So I hope, I hope, I hope. And I'm cheering for her overall to go far. I, again, I don't think she's going to be winning anything, but I, I think a nomination could potentially be in her future for this role. She deserves it. And I hope that this is the the big momentum she needs. Because I think if she gets this, this nomination, I still still think people will put her in that fifth spot and this could still be a wild card but I think it solidifies that she is a legitimate contender in this category because I think if she doesn't get in for best actress I think a lot of the momentum for her kind of dies away but if she gets into this category I think this is a major boost for her and we'll see where it goes from here but Rachel Zegler is at my number five spot alongside Lady Gaga at my number four number three would be Nicole Kidman number th- number two would be Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter and then still at my number one spot right now is Kristen Stewart for 
Spencer. And finally, to move on to the final category, which is kind of the best picture for the SAGs. It is best film ensemble. These are the five films that I think will be nominated tomorrow morning. And to go in the order at number one, I had The Power of the Dog. At number two, I have Coda. Number three, I have Belfast. At number four, I have Don't Look Up. And number five, the one that I think is going to shock a lot of people is West Side Story. And the reason I think it's going to be West Side Story is because the fact that it doesn't have, other than maybe Rita Moreno, Corey Stoll, they're maybe the biggest names on this list before you watch the movie. If you don't know who Rachel Zegler is, Ariana DeBoe, Mike Feist, David Alvarez, you'll know them after you watch the film. And I think after you've seen West Side Story, it's one of the strongest casts to come out of 2021. And I would not be shocked if we see West Side Story in this ensemble. I think Don't Look Up. Again, you just have to look at the names on there, and I think they all do a great job in the performances that they give, so I think they'll be locked in as well. Power of the Dog has been a strong supporter throughout. I mean, every single one of the of the names, really, Kristen Dunn, or, or excuse me, Kristen Dunn's Benedict Cumberbatch, Cody Smith-McPhee, and even though he hasn't been nominated a lot, Jesse Plemons has been a name that has come up as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if Power of the Dog gets that nomination as well. Same thing with CODA. I mean, great representation, especially for the deaf community. They all did an absolutely fantastic job in their performances. I think they very much well deserve it. I think Belfast is going to get in as well, so these are the ones that I definitely think are going to be the, the five that are called. I also do think that when you look at this list as well, I think when you look at the Best Stuff Film Ensemble, other ones that could potentially get in as well, I think you could have King Richard get in, even though it's definitely more of a two-handed performance overall. I think the actresses that play Venus and Serena definitely help bolster that movie as well, so that's one to look out for. A wild card that I think could get in that could shock some people is The Harder They Fall. It hasn't gotten a lot of, of award season momentum, but when you look at the cast, I mean, Jonathan Majors, Regina King, Idris Elba, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Zazie Beats. I could go on and on. Delroy Lindo is in the movie. It's a phenomenal cast, and they, they, they do, I think, an incredible job in the movie, so that one wouldn't shock me as well. So th- those are two other wild cards that I think could maybe get in over some of these films, like maybe a Belfast or like a Don't Look Up as well. But I think I'm very confident, especially in my best film ensemble, I'm very confident in in that category. Also, film uh, best actor, I'm very confident. I think those are going to be the five that we're going to be seeing on that list as well. The, the big wild card that I have in here, I think, is Ben Affleck. I don't think he's going to get a lot of momentum going forward throughout the West of Awards season, but I think they will award him for what he did in the tender bar this time around. So we'll see where that goes. But those are my nominees for best or, or the SAGs really for all the categories. Again, I could be totally wrong on all of these, but I'll have my reactions for that later in the week. So again, I'll have my reactions also on Twitter. I'll be tweeting out what I what I think of the actual nominees, what I got right, what I got wrong. But what do you guys think? Do you think I'm crazy with any of these 
these nominees? Do you think any of them will not get in, especially the wild cards that I have at the fifth spot? Again, for actress, I have Rachel Zegler on my five. At, no, at my five for best actor, I have Leonardo DiCaprio. For best supporting actress, I have Ruth Nega at my number five. And for best supporting actor, I have Ben Affleck at my number five spot. So which one do you think I'm a little crazy about? Am I crazy on any of them at all? Or am I completely sane? Let me know down below in the comments and leave your thoughts. And the final thing that I want to talk about on the Sam Bissell podcast today is previewing the weekend ahead when it comes to film releases, whether they're theatrical, in theaters, or on streaming. And this weekend, there are really two big films to look forward to this weekend. The, the one the one that I'm going to get out of the way first is Hotel Transylvania Transformania, which was supposed to come out in theaters last year, but due to, to COVID and maybe the, the Sony Pictures, which produced it, distributed it, they did not see anything in this film, and maybe they wanted to push it over to streaming as it is now over on Amazon Prime, and we'll see how this film does. This is a very popular franchise that did very, very well over the decade that it was in theaters and this seems to be the final film. It does return the voices of Andy Samberg, Selena Gomez, Steve Buscemi is in it, and David Spade as well. But there is no Adam Sandler in it. Also, Kevin James are not in this movie voicing their roles from the previous films. So that might take away from it as well. But again, I think if you're a family, you're looking for something again at home, you don't want to go to the theaters, Sing 2 is really the only animated film that's out there at the moment. Maybe this is one to definitely check out just because it's new with something different than what we've gotten over the last couple of weeks. But again, I haven't heard great things about this film. I think that's probably the reason why Sony wanted to get rid of it, get money while they can and and, and cash out as soon as they possibly could, leave it for the streamer. Maybe they get some eyes on it. And that seems to be the deal. If, if something they don't like isn't going their way, they feel nervous about it. This seems like the model for a lot of studios moving forward. But the the big film coming out this weekend is probably the first major release of 2022 in theaters, and that is the return of Ghostface. We have the fifth installment in the Scream franchise that is simply titled Scream, and it is from 2022, of course. It sees the return of Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell reprising their roles all the way back to 1996 in the first Scream film. Unfortunately, due to the passing of Wes Craven, he is not back to helm this but it is the directors from Ready or Not. It is Matt Benelty Olympian and Tyler Gillett. They are back to direct this film. And I've heard great things about it. Again, if you listen to my podcast yesterday, I talked about the, the first reaction that came out for the film, and it, they all seemed overwhelmingly positive for the most part. And this is a franchise that has kind of been has kind of gone through murky waters over the last two installments. They haven't been the positive great reception as the first two installments were in 96 and 97, but it seems like the, the these directors and this group have been able to do something that I think a lot of passionate filmmakers have done with things that they really, really love with, with, with a lot of their of things that maybe got them really passionate, and that is kind of crafting something new and different and, while also incorporating things that people love within the franchise 
as well. And so I think that the the the, the film collaborators of Radio Silence, I, I think they're really going to do something really special here. And it sounds like that they, they did just that with this screen film. I'm very, very excited to see what they're able to do. I love the new cast as well. You have Melissa Barrera, who seems to be the the new kind of Sydney Prescott or the main lead role in this film alongside the big three. If you know her from In the Heights, I'm very excited to see what she does. If you know 13 Reasons Why, of course, you have the return of Dylan Minnette coming into this one. You have Jenna Ortega. There's a lot of young actors and actresses in this, bolstered by the appearance of the legends from the the rest of the franchise in this, that I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really intrigued to see how this all goes, where where they go with it, the twists and turns. It seems like they really are within the metaverse, the meta-narrative of what made the first couple of films so great while also adding their own spin to it as well. So again, I'm really, really excited for this movie and what they're they're able to do with it. The Rotten Tomato score for this film has not come out yet, but from the social media scores that I've seen, I'm, again, very, very excited for it. And I'm sure we'll get the Rotten Tomato scores on tomorrow, on Wednesday, or hopefully we don't get them on Thursday. But the fact that people saw it and they're reacting to it already shows that the studio has confidence in this movie. So which film are you guys going to go see this weekend? Are you going to be going to see or rather watch on streaming Hotel Transylvania, Transformania? Or are you going to go to the theaters and see Scream? Or are you going to go see Spider-Man No Way Home again? Are you going to go see Matrix Resurrections or The 355? Or are you just not going to see any movie this weekend and save your money for another time? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And with that down and out of the way, that will do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning tuning in. As always, be sure to check out my podcast for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on here, such as You Mad Bro? The number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out goal-driven professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast excuse me with kelly johnson giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals also along the way make sure to check out these other amazing shows on the podcast solutions such as wrestle attic radio Pretzelmania podcast and midnight showing you can check these out and so much more on the website ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com also on facebook and twitter at real ambiguous and if you want to check out canopy treehouse use the coupon code ambiguous also when you get a chance make sure to follow me on social media you can find me on twitter at pissel samuel it's b-u-s-e-l-l-s-a-m-u-e-l and also on facebook at sam Bissell. also if you want to check out my youtube channel you can find me at the sam Bissell podcast so once again everyone thank you so much for tuning in and until next time keep on screening